0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the first World Goodwill webinar for 2023. Welcome to you who are joining us on Zoom, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. As you will know, if you have joined us before, but also for those of you who are with us for the first time... The World Goodwill Meditation Webinar is held on the last Wednesday of every month at 5 p.m. GMT, 12 p.m. EST, and 6 p.m. CET. It is an opportunity for the Goodwill Meditation Group to meet and meditate together to strengthen and increase the goodwill that is in all people and in that way to help solve the urgent problems facing humanity. However, you can also link in thought with the World Goodwill Meditation Group every Thursday at noon, your own time and use the goodwill meditation to assist this uh, group service. So before we begin, let's take a moment to gather our thoughts and find a place of peace within us with the mantra
1: of the new group of world servers. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the
0: one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through
1: self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. So
0: the theme of today's webinar, as you can already see on your screens, is the UN, the unitive narrative and the new paradigm for human development. We have a very special host with us today to help us explore this interesting theme, And it is Dr. Johnny Carley, who will share the floor with my colleague from New York, Michael Galloway, after our meditation and discuss this um, crucial, I would say, subject. Um, hi, Johnny. it's very nice to have you here today. So Dr. Johnny Carly advises private and public sector leaders and their teams and holds ECOSOC consultative status at the United Na- Nations. Her values-driven leadership and cultural development draws on a unique depth and breadth of experience, ranging from the jungle to the boardroom, the African bush to Asian temples, and from universities to the United Nations, where she is the convener of the unity Cluster under the UN NGO major group. Johnny is also the author of The Alchemy of Power, Mastering the Invisible Factors of Leadership. Today, we will be talking about the principles, values, and culture that are fundamental to shifting global consciousness to a paradigm which honors and is informed by the fundamental unity of all life. We will also speak about the role that the United Nations can play in this work. It is wonderful to have you here today with us and I think that you are one of the people better suited to speak of this very important matters um, because of your work in the UN, but also in the private sector and your experience, let's say with um, the invisible factors of leadership, which um, bring together very well, all of the aspects that this uh, webinar is seeking to unite. Uh, for the benefit of all, so we will move on to our meditation and return for a discussion with Dr. Johnny Cardley on the UN, the United Narrative,
1: and the new paradigm for human development. Thank you. Thank you, Evangelia. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get started now with our meditation. And We start by
2: linking up in thought with all those people throughout the world who are working
1: today with this Goodwill Meditation group. United as a group, we now reflect upon the fact of relationship. You are related to your family, to your community, to your nation, to the world of nations. into the one humanity composed of all races and nations. We sound together the Mantrum of Unification. The souls of all are one, and
2: I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form. And life and all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone.
1: Let love prevail. Let all people love. Reflect upon your own and humanity's relationship
2: with all those beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart. These are the spiritual hierarchy of saints, of rishis, bodhisattvas, masters, honored by all the world's religions
1: and spiritual groups. Now imagine that you are standing together within the center of the
2: spiritual hierarchy, immersed within the consciousness of the heart of love. For some, this heart of love is known as the Christ,
1: but other names have other, other faiths have other names for the one at the center. Imagine that you are immersed within the heart of love. Now, maintaining that high point of contact, let your thoughts reach out to include all members of the human family in whom the energy of goodwill is active. And now we visualize the love flowing from the hierarchy
2: through the men and women of goodwill and into the hearts and minds of all people, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving
1: and harmonious relationships. Meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationship, and restoring peace on earth. realize that you are helping to build a channel between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity
2: through which the energy of goodwill may flow uniting humanity
1: solving its problems and healing all cleavages And now linked in thought with men and women of goodwill
2: all over the world sound together the adapted version of the great invocation. We say it with deliberation and with full commitment to its meaning, knowing that we are radiating
1: its potent energies to humanity. All right, thank you everybody. So I'd like to invite uh, Joni back
2: now, turn on her video. Hi there, Joni, how are you? Hi. Hi, great to have you here. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'd like to just echo uh, the sentiments expressed by Evangelia. It is really great to have you here talking about this very, very important topic.
3: Wonderful to be here, thanks for asking me.
2: Okay, great. Um, So, Once again, our theme today is the UN, the unitive narrative and the new paradigm for human development. And in 2021, Joni, you wrote an excellent piece for Cosmos journal titled, A Global Governance Paradigm Shift First Principles First. And this piece, a really excellent piece, but it spoke about um, the role that first principles can and should play in transforming our entire approach to Um, global governance. And I was wondering if you could begin today just by um, speaking a little bit about this idea of first principles. You know, what are they? Why are they important? And which of these first principles do you think are most fundamental when it comes to uh, global governance?
3: Well, a lot of them we just tapped into in the meditation. It's a powerful place to start. I just came from a four-day meditation retreat, so it was a wonderful continuation mm-hmm. to start there. And um, you know, the things that, that our first principles are outlined in the UN Charter, uh, there are things like equity, justice, um, happiness, well-being security real human security there's a movement of foot to shift the definition of security from nation being secure to individuals being secure because when you're talking about a whole nation being secure you could justify a bomb but when you talk about individuals being secure you can no longer make that justification and so looking at what is human dignity what is the the honoring of one person of each individual uh, my, my doctoral dissertation was called noble seed royal soil and the question was if every sentient being is a noble seed what's the personal and the cultural soil we need for each seed to grow into their fullest fruition and so that's first principles what what makes each being okay What makes them well, what makes a society good is that all beings are healthy and well from the inside out, understanding that concept is a much bigger concept than just physical well being, that the spiritual well being is also a piece of that and so those are the kinds of things that are first principles and if you if you uh look at those things they're really most of them are a matter of consciousness and so first principles are a way of taking laws and regulations and ideas and formats and formalities into a deeper level into and they're mostly values words they're mostly words that that have to do with values love caring you know the, and and they differ for different people values really depend on needs and so a first principle for some people is to make sure their kids are fed Mm -hmm. make sure that there's basic survival going on for those of us who are more privileged first principles might be global justice it's a much bigger thing but you have to have the luxury to be able to think like that, and so all of that is first principles. But they they delineate along a spectrum.
1: Hmm.
2: Thank you, Joni. Yeah, it's the uh, the idea of the um, in the Bailey teachings. They say the two most important things to be taught to all children is the fact of the one humanity and the value of the individual. And so it's sort of that that. Um, as you sort of were getting at with human security, that relationship between the individual and the whole. If there isn't really, there shouldn't be any um, conflict between the two, but of course we know in, in practice there is so often so. Well, yes.
3: it, it, it gets into narrative here, right? Because we understand those, because we're all so acculturated, we understand those as two different things, that, that you might be able to have a well person and not a well society, or vice versa. The sci- society might be really doing well. And according to most economic measures here in America, we're doing great. Mm-hmm. Our kids are getting shot in school, so we're not so well.
1: Yeah.
3: Right. We're, we're spiritually hurting the drugs, the, the violence, the hate mongering, the fear mongering. You know, these are symptoms of deeper illness. And so we have to look deeper. We have to look at consciousness.
1: Absolutely.
2: Um,
3: so and, and been, understanding yeah. that, that There is individual consciousness and that has its place in the wholeness there is a there is a gestalt a wholeness of consciousness and that those things are not you know we're we, we're raised in such a separation based paradigm that it's you or me mm-hmm. it's the country or it's it's me it's the world or it's my my neighborhood or you know we have all these dichotomies because they're really built into our psyche they're built into us at a, a very deep level and they they're just in the air that's what we're calling narrative we're 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 really functioning on a, a separation based narrative mm-hmm that survival of the fittest, right? That that um, idea that if I'm fit, that I can get over on you, I can hurt you so I can do well. Well, that's nonsense. And biologists, evolutionary biologists have proven that the survival of the fittest is only true if in the definition of fitness, you include cooperation. Because above really a single or a couple celled organism, it's the cooperators who survive, mm-hmm. not the fighters. Absolutely,
1: yeah.
2: Um, I just wanted to go on to another question about more about the UN system and about these, about these principles and how they are expressed more specifically within the UN system. Um, I guess, what sort of opportunities does the UN system offer for the working out of these principles, in your opinion?
3: Well, first of all, where else are you going to do it? Yeah. Because it is the body where, where the world comes together, you know, for the the charter says to make peace in the world and to, to all live together well. So it is a platform like none other in the world. And it is a really special place. When you walk in the door, when you say the word we, you mean the whole world. And there's really nowhere else where that's so. And so just, just being there is an opportunity. That the charter is behind these kinds of principles is another opportunity, the day to day working. Sometimes that's a different story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, the unit of cluster is a good place to start for for organizations that have their their there are credentials at the UN. That's only open to credentialed organizations. But we have the SDG Thought Leaders Circle, and uh, that's the uh, a project out of the evolutionary leaders. And we invite all to come there and to work on these principles there. So the UN system, in terms of offering it, I can tell you that I've been there for over 15 years. And when I first started, I'm also an interfaith minister, so I do a lot of work in the spiritual domain at the United Nations, as well as in the social development domain, and you really had to separate the two. You know, you, you really couldn't. uh you, you could lose, and especially people working there could lose their career track if they were having a, a deep conversation about values and all of that. Even though that's what they're there to do, there's there was like in all of society, there was a real schism. You were, uh you know, in, in in America, you were labeled New Agey or airy fairy, or just you know, this whole idea of working on these these so-called softer indicators. I like to think of them as yin and yang. The yang is the economic. The the hard data, the yin is more the consciousness, the values, those kinds of things. And so, you know, like, like the rest of society, the UN also, and because our paradigm, our narrative focuses and says only these young, concrete things have any value, then therefore everything else is not valuable, not only not valuable, but it is de- has been devalued. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been changing quite a bit. That's been changing uh, as in all society. It used to be you had to keep a firewall between these things. You really couldn't talk about one with the other. People in the UN used to tell us we'd had high level leaders. I used to lead a a group called Visionary Dialogues with high level leaders in the UN who self-selected to be in a dialogue like that. And we had them in tears these are really high level people in tears because they really couldn't bridge that divide between what they came there to do and what they found was possible to do within the system well fast forward and now I'm finding a very different response to this kind of speaking and to this kind of space in the UN. I'm finding more invitations to bring this perspective in. And I'm finding that when I do, not only I'm not the only one, which is, you know, there are other people who are speaking this language. Uh, and people are no, you, you're not getting the old responses. Uh, you're really getting. What I see more often than not is a a sense of relief Mm -hmm. that, you know, oh, I can finally say what's in my heart, the back of my mind. I maybe didn't have the words, but yeah, I had, I've had. i had this resonance. Or I didn't even know I had this resonance or I've been seeking something that was more because there are great projects and programs around the UN. But if that's the yang, if they were enough, we would be there. We'd have an amazing world because there are amazing things going on. I'm sure many people on this call are involved in many of those things. And it's not going to get us there until we do that deeper work, shift the work into the domain of consciousness. And I do find that there's more and more opening to that at the UN. It's probably going to take a few generations. But mm. I think you know more and more people having the courage to just speak it, having more platforms where we can bring that in. Um, I'm finding that my writing on these things is making into final documents at high levels. You know, the UN documents are often written by people inputting and then the, the so called they call it the pen holder. The person who's the pen holder has that final say on which edits the Google Doc goes through. And I, I'm at this point in my life and career and, and uh, sense of purpose in the world. I'm letting it fly you know what's to hold back at this point and so I, I'm pretty much unabashedly putting it out there and I'm finding some of that writing making it through and even the one that doesn't it's fine because there's there, it, it, it's speaking into this consciousness it, it's uh putting it out there in in a way that people are are able to say yeah yeah i mean it, unesco their their motto is uh that's un for science culture education um and they are uh, their their motto is creating peace in the minds and women. So I use that. That's a little crack in the opening there. Uh, Doug Hammarskjöld, who was the second Secretary General of the UN, was an extraordinary mystic. In fact, I used to see so many of his writings in my, my spiritual uh, and philosophical reading that I thought he was a mystic or a religious person. I was shocked when I got to the UN and saw his picture on the wall. And, so, you know, the, and his influence is very deep. Kofi Annan was another UN leader who spoke to this really deep sense of there's another place to work from, and not only can we, we must work Mm -hmm. from that place. And so the openings have been slowly widening at the UN as they have been in, in the culture at large. And I think the sense of exasperation of people Dedicating, leaving their homes and families, working for much less than they would make in the in the private sector, coming to work every day under, you know, difficult the weight of the world's on their shoulders, mm-hmm. and they're coming to work with this every day, you know, and and just to, to know that these people are are saying. These old ways I can't get, I can't do what I came to do unless there's some new way of approaching. And so as we speak, and more and more people are having courage to speak this, because again, the culture could be pretty cruel to people who spoke that way. Mm-hmm. But now to, to you know open up this yin territory and to say, let's really do some substantive work here and create meaning and speak it, even where people may not understand or resonate. Uh, I think that's really the exciting opening that's unveiling right now.
2: That's great. It seems from what you're saying that the, um, it's almost as if the, um, the lower nature alone isn't up to the task. Only the people, are people are starting to awaken to the fact that perhaps only the soul is up to the task or whatever you call that part of yourself. As you say, everything, everything on the outer realm is going forward. And yet there's a widespread recognition in the, in the UN system that it's not enough and it quite isn't quite working. So perhaps it's yeah, just-
3: What is it staked on? What is it staked on? If an action is staked on just fixing a problem, then really I'm attached to the problem to my teacup, right? So if I'm pushing against this and I'm working to, to fight it and not have it happen and fix it and change it, I'm still attached to my teacup that's yeah. a, an idea in buddhism right you're, you're attached to what you're pushing away and so what we're saying is to grow into that realm of consciousness and the nature of that realm is it's not an a to b point you don't go there for the point of fixing something else you go there for the point of opening a, a new space the
2: whole yeah of course yeah oh great thank you so much Thank you so much, uh, Joni. Um, you
1: you sort of you sort of already answered my next question, um, but let me see here.
2: So I guess yeah, you sort of answered the next question I was going to ask was about the sort of two paradigms at the UN. You know, there's this paradigm of of wholeness, of unit of consciousness. And then as you say, um, there's also been this barrier for a long time where that hasn't been allowed. And even though the intention behind the work going on was obviously of a very very noble and high cause, um, it seems as though maybe the techniques or the methods or the, or the quote-unquote consciousness was based or limited to sort of the materialistic approach. And I'm wondering if today you see the point where these two, sort of the materialistic approach and the consciousness unitive um, spiritual approach, do you see these two increasing, as one grows and one wanes, do you see them increasingly at odds? Or do you see that sort of balance, um, sort of a smooth transition happening? To this sort of higher values, or is there sort of a more intense battle as the as things are coming to a head?
3: Yeah, um, I don't think of it as a battle. Certainly, there's pushback. Yeah, but you know, I see it as evolution, Mm -hmm. and so I do like to use the the words yin and yang because they help to unpack the metaphysics. And uh, when you get into the energetics, again, young is the concrete, the data, the projects, pretty much the old paradigm, the paradigm we're evolving beyond is, is pretty much young based in fact I, in my book the alchemy of power i called it yang we've had yang itis all cool. of our fixes have been militaristic most of our leaders have been male most of our institutions have been yang dominant you know our our, our culture has really swung the pendulum of time has swung very far youngward. And so now I see this yin word you see feminization happening more, you see the ability to talk about consciousness more. That's happening in the world at large. It's also happening at the UN. And so this paradigm shift, and, and it's not an either or, right? You know, you need yin and yang, you just do. And uh, it's you still need good projects, and you still need people counting the money and and, and managing the data. It's not to give one up to find equanimity and so we don't even know where the center point is i break this down a lot in my book but we don't know where the center point is really we've been so young dominant for so many millennia we are acculturated to to a a gross imbalance and there's this intuitive pull this 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 impulse this, this this global human impulse that's saying, wait a minute, we have to be in touch with nature, not as a utilitarian device for us to to raid and take, but to settle into, to come to harmony with. And, And we are starting to say, we need to value that all kids go to bed safe, fed, and warm. And loved before we start to put pl- value on how much a tank cost or the militarization of something.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: so that you know, we need to swing yinward. And in the book, I say when in doubt, yin out. <laughs> and so that's really <laughs> the opportunity right now is to break open this, this, this painfully tight mm-hmm. paradigm. That yeah. encloses people in a lot of suffering mm-hmm. at so many levels, so many levels of suffering going on right now. And so we say, how do we move into that realm of compassion? That's yinning out. How mm-hmm. do we how do we settle into that? How do we make decisions based on compassion, based on love, based on justice, based on the existential reality of our unity? Mm-hmm. And, seems- and, and You know, in terms of paradigm, uh, you know, that separation-based paradigm, I'm different than you. What the, the scientists, the philosophers throughout all of history are telling us is, I am you.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We are, period. I am. No predicate. Mm-hmm. I am. Coming from that solid, deep, I am. Mm-hmm. That's the universe. And, and that's the paradigm shift is to step out of the predications, to step into, to uh, that's why it's an evolutionary shift, yeah. right? Is mm. uh, That's what makes it evolutionary, is we're shifting out of defining ourselves so narrowly by these predications. I am something, I am that, I am this, I am you know, and, mm-hmm. and that starts to box us out of that unity consciousness. We do need those. You know, there's nothing wrong with ego. Y'all need some way just to show up in the world. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, to have that, so dominating is really a result of a paradigm. And, you know, while, while grassroots, there's so much effort. One of the frustrations for me at the UN is, is that all the focus, and, and elsewhere too, a lot of focus on grassroots movements, which is important. I'm not in any way Degrading that or saying that's not important. Critical. Put food in kids' mouths. Yes. Fix things. Yes. But we have to expand our idea of what that means. We have to work in the white spaces. You all know the the SDGs have the 17 blocks of color. Mm -hmm. The work is in the white space. The work is in the space that unifies all of those things that that exposes the interdependencies, the interlinkages among and between the SDGs and among and between all beings. Mm -hmm. And that's the paradigm shift. That's the shift of the unit of narrative. I'm going to put a link in the chat uh, to my book as well as to the unit of narrative because uh, unit of narrative, I'm having a hard time finding that, yeah um is uh really something that we worked on quite hard to establish a scientific and philosophical basis for the new narrative to to say you know what what are we actually really replacing this narrative with so we come from a it's it's not just story mm-hmm. right story I mean, people say in a lot of these circles we just need new stories and then what they come up with is more better kinder gentler stories about the old paradigm yeah and so this uh, is really a new narrative
1: mm-hmm.
3: and new stories will need to be developed based on a new narrative, very big distinction. Yeah,
2: there's this quote somebody shared from Buckminster Fuller in the chat. You never change things by fighting the existing reality to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete.
3: And that's just perfect and I, yeah, and I That's was definitely the work, you know, that th- there's a, a, something at the UN that says, um, leave no one behind. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, make sure there's no behind to leave anybody in. Right? <laughs> so it, It's a deeper perfect, cultural yeah. shift. Yeah. You know, culture is like a culture in a lab dish. It'll grow mm-hmm. some things. It's not going to grow other things. And so mm-hmm. cultures will grow. Violence will grow uh, inequities and, and uh, pain and suffering. Or they'll grow compassion, joy, love, well-being, happiness, mm-hmm. you know. And so they'll grow a behi- they'll, they'll grow a, a, in a way that there's behind, and they'll grow in a way that there is no behind, that it's circular, you know, mm-hmm. that's where circular economy, there, there are a lot of, there's phenomenal work being done in this space. Uh, It's not quite so coherent yet, this work. It's becoming more and more coherent. But we've had a critical mass thinking this way for a very long time, but uh, we really haven't had the coherence. And that's what the unit of cluster that we've started at the UN, that is starting to create spaces. And there are other dialogues. The Baha'is are incredible uh, UN community members. They create a lot of space for this kind of uh, thinking. And, And there are more and more people Coming into this, we're talking with ambassadors. We're talking with high level leaders. They're, they're you know, they're they're getting all of these um, these inputs, and they're responding.
2: Beautiful.
1: Yeah.
3: Thank you,
2: Joni. Um, we have we still have plenty of time left, actually. But I'd just like to move on to uh, the one final question, that maybe we have a bit of time. We can open it up to the audience as well for their if they have any questions or anything to share as well, and. Um, The last question is about human development. And um, for those of the audience who don't maybe know, aren't familiar with this term, I just wanted to explain briefly that it's this um, human development is this idea that was developed in contradistinction to economic development, which informed most of the sort of neoliberal paradigm of the 20th century. Um, human development seeks to focus on the human factors of well-being as a measure of society's um, health and progress rather than solely economic factors. So it seeks to work sort of as you described at the beginning, Joni, at the at the individual to measure the health of a society. Um, and so my um, question to you, Joni, is just about this this new paradigm, this unit of paradigm. First principles, fundamental spiritual principles. Um, what does this mean for the way that we look at human development? Um, maybe perhaps at the UN? Um, do you think um, this has this? I guess maybe speak about, if you could, the way that this new narrative, um, how does this inform the way we look at human development, the way we measure and understand development at this sort of level of the UN works?
3: Well, we measure what matters. And Mm -hmm. right now, we're measuring all these young indicators. And so we need to start measuring values. I work with the Barrett value system where we quantify values as a way to measure culture Mm -hmm. and stay accountable to culture over time. And so there are other systems besides the Barrett system, but that's the one I like the most. Uh, And so to, to implement new measurements, and to look a little further into the meaning of old measurements. So that's a really big part of it is to shift what does development even mean? There's the inner development goals that's gotten that have gotten a lot of traction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to do that inner work and to bring valuation for that inner work. A big part of what I talk about is to create more accurate valuations for what people actually value. So our economic valuations, our standard economic valuations really do not include valuation for what people value most. Across all countries, races, genders, the number one indicator of happiness that comes over year after year is interconnectivity that's what people want right and so until we start to and we have no valuation for that we have Mm -hmm. nobody's accounting for that And there are plenty of ways to account for that so demanding new systems of, of accounting of accountability um to recognize that that the young uh oriented data is one valuable and important set of data but it And it also needs to be balanced with the the deeper data, with how are people feeling, Mm -hmm. what's going on for people? You know, are we seeing vitality? Vitality is so critical. Right? And, and yet we really have no valuation for verdant. Like people talk about um, sustainability. I just think that is such a low bar. Michael, if I bumped into you in the street and I said, how are you doing? You said, I'm sustainable. I would be so worried about you.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that, is, yeah. that is just like, who wants to be sustainable? Mm. Right? That, that is really, um, it, it's not a great aspiration, And and who wants the earth to sustain? And who gets to say what's what sustain what? What gets sustained, right? Mm -hmm. That's according to the set of values, whoever has the power to sustain something or not. It's even even that aspiration. It's good because it got us a certain place. I mean, it's accepted in the world. It's understood as something a little bigger than what I'm saying. But still, that's the definition of it. And so it, but even that definition still boxes us in to some old paradigm responses. And so looking into, again, back to the Buckminster Fuller idea of, are we really looking to just hold on to what we got? I don't think so. Yeah. I think we're, we're you know, the, the, our souls long for things just naturally. We long for freedom. We long to be well. We long for joy. We long to, to love. We long to connect. And so those inner longings are have to be given their due. There has to be space and time like you started the meeting with silence with that moment to go deeper to to think about these larger principles to connect the oneness of me with the oneness of all and, and so just creating that space is huge standing for that space. You, um, I, I'm looking at that question. Uh, I'm going to read it out loud so I get it. I have a doctor I have a doctorate in the reinvention of work and I am an ordained interfaith minister officially and I think of myself more as interspiritual. And um, there is a culture of atheism, but there's also a, a heavy duty culture of religiosity, which is in some ways much more dangerous, really, truly much more dangerous. Um, and especially in the academic and scientific realms, because they tend to be really so young dominant and really um, measuring and, and proliferating that young dominance. Um, they don't discuss, uh, discourage discussion of Yin and yang. That's why I use that. Even though it's a Tao, though, those are Taoist concepts, they don't really hold much cultural baggage. They mm-hmm. really are just metaphysical descriptors. And so I find that, you know, you can't deny that some things are softer and some things are harder. And so, you know, some things are, are more concrete and some things are less, I mean, you know, or not concrete at all. And so, you know, you, you can that's why I use those terms, because they really can land you in the realm of this discussion without the spiritual discussion is not for everybody. And yeah, we have to all be yeah. with that. Yeah. I think that's where we have to really be careful of this this idea that we've got to uh, proselytize. You know, this more better and different idea of thinking of things. Uh, that 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 proselytization really is an old paradigm uh, methodology. And um, I do find that the dialogue. It, it, you're right. It's not welcome in some places. Um, and I'm finding that it's more and more and more welcome uh, because there's so much desperation. There, there ain't no choice, folks. You know, really, the old ways just not getting us there. And mm-hmm. and uh, there are nations, island nations, already being swallowed up. There are people being tortured all over the world, and and you know this this uh, manifestation of violence is is really growing to such a, a strong level that. Um, there is more opening to this. And you start where the person is. Werner Earhart uh, used to say, you speak into the listening. And so you take a moment to just see, you know, who am I speaking to and what am I saying? And mm-hmm. and you don't come on with a big spiritual uh conversation if that's not really What's up in the moment, but there are many ways to approach it if you can be in the receptive and listening and, and holding space. And again, having done the personal homework, the personal spiritual homework, this per, the personal connectivity that allows you to not react to where that person is, but to respond. And not only to respond to that person, but to respond to that evolutionary impulse that is pulling us all towards something much, much greater.
2: Thank you, Joni. Yeah, I think people do if they're even if they're not open to spiritual ideas, they are open always to values and principles, most always. So that's thank you so much. Um, I'm wondering now if we could just go to questions from the audience, if that's okay with you, Joni, and you already took one from the chat. chat? Do
3: you wanna pick some from the chat? Yeah,
2: we'll take some from the chat, but also just to say if anybody wants to raise their hand and share audibly, you can do that by going to your reactions uh, button on your Zoom toolbar and then clicking the raise hand button, and then we can unmute you to share your question.
1: Um, It actually looks like Kit has already raised her hand, so let's go ahead and go with you Kit while we get the chat going here. All right, could I have asked you to unmute? There you go.
4: Can you you hear me at all? Yes. Yes, hello, thank you. Um, I wanted to, um, just I'd be interested Joni to hear your um, thoughts or input on um, if we're engaging with people who are really coming from quite a different place and are maybe not according to, you know, sort of spirals of development um, in the same place, or they might be more fundamentalist or things, but they are very influential. And so well, what you see is maybe ways to open conversations. And I'm also thinking about, uh, because it's really informed me in many ways, integral theory and the idea of include as you transcend, so I would just be interested in hearing more about that and from your experience. Thank you. I'm gonna.
3: I think really honoring where the person is, bowing to that of God in each, whether um, you know, and and know know when it's you know. This is about discernment, and this is where your own meditation, your own personal growth, will give you that in the moment or not. And so, uh, to discern, is this a conversation to be had or is this a conversation to say, you know, I'm going to move on (laughs) and bless you? Because it's not about even, you know, they say that, uh, I forget who said it, but somebody said science progresses one funeral at a time. And in a lot of ways, that's how society is going to progress. And so, there are people who aren't going to come along with this and give it up. Just give it up. Like, there are plenty of people who are hungry who have this either front of mind or somewhere way back there. And when you speak it, there's a resonance. And then uh, Jesus had a, a saying, don't put your pearls, but he didn't say don't, but, but you know, don't put your pearls before swine. Mm-hmm. And so his, the pearls he was talking about was his teachings. And he wasn't saying everybody who doesn't like my teachings is a pig at all. He was saying, if the swine are going to roll the pearls around in the mud, don't put them there, Mm -hmm. you know, put the pearls where they're going to be held as pearls. Someone may not be ready to string them and wear them, but at least they can look at it in their palm. Mm -hmm. At least they can look at it in your palm. And to just have the discernment of knowing, you know, this conversation is fertile I'm on fertile ground, again, this is noble seed. Is the seed in fertile ground? Is, this, um, is there dignity in the conversation? I mean, there are a lot of indicators that, that go into the discernment of this. But as soon as you find yourself defending or convincing, I would say as gracefully as you can, bow out of the conversation and move on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you, Joni. Uh, there is a question here from Wendy Boyd in the chat. She says, maybe we need to redefine what we mean by leadership, question mark. Accountability is the freeing factor, but who is really willing to be accountable? Hence, we have a culture of blame.
3: Well, that's what my whole book is about. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs>
3: absolutely, yeah. we need to redefine leadership for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. For, uh, when you do, we know from value studies that when people account for culture, account for these levels of consciousness, Stock prices go up, profits go up, stakeholder loyalty goes up, pretty much every indicator that you want to see goes up. And that's true in business as well as in social indicators. So we know this stuff works. There's Mm -hmm. just this old paradigm narrative that believes that all of this stuff is inconsequential fluffy stuff. And in my book, I call it the fluffy myth. And so, you know, leaders are also acculturated to that. That might makes right. And so, that if I really come down hard on you or get more obnoxious, that then I'm a better leader. You know, that's an acculturation. It's it's mm-hmm. delusional. It's complete mythology. There is nothing that that backs that up. There's no data anywhere that backs up that mythology, and yet. I Wrote a book on it, uh, I spent my life around it. There's still a part of me that's uh, living, that believes in that, and so, um, you really want to uh, really make sure that that, um, you know, as, as we start to, to again find hold leaders accountable to measurements beyond the measurements they've been trained in, mm-hmm. they've been trained to just manage these measurements, and so their responses and reactions are pretty much attuned to these old paradigm moves. And so it is a question of redefining leadership, not only for the immediate well-being, which we know that's going to happen because the data couldn't be any clearer and across gazillions of studies. I have a huge reference section in the book that that gives you just a a tad of what's out there in terms of, of studies on this. The other thing is, there is an evolution going, there is a paradigm shift that we are, we are kind of in the cracks of, that we are yes. transitioning to. And so leaders who are functioning in these old paradigm methodologies are finding themselves irrelevant and are going to find that more and more and you know finding themselves shocked. One thing we know is that the person who's done the most values development has the most authority in the room, regardless of rank. So you could be talking to the CEO and the janitor, but if the janitor is more developed, you know the values are more developed, people are gonna be listening to the janitor. They may be obeying the CEO, but they're gonna be really connecting. And when the janitor says it, there's going to be an authority there because it's resonating with that deeper authority. I break this down a lot in the book, author and authority, right? Mm -hmm. You're authoring your experience all the time. You're all accountable for our our own experience. And so, you know, how do we author that experience and how do we bring leaders to this Mm -hmm. MBA programs? Unfortunately, my son just finished uh, one of the best in the world at INSEAD and, uh, there was very little that they touched on in this, and so you know, and I'm seeing that across a lot of MBAs. I work with leaders who come out of leadership programs, and more and more are starting to open up uh, electives or, or you know, at least build it in. There was more, there was more infiltrated in the NCAD program than I saw um, in the content of courses. Yet still, it was such a, a, an underlying theme that that it needs to be brought forward in these sessions and you know i think that's part of there's going to have to be a lot of chaos and breakdown uh of old ways and so part of that is going to be leadership is is we have faltering leadership in in a lot of different places and so you know if you have options around that to look for for greater leadership and and when leadership is not aligning with your values to just recognize where that's out of sync hold on to your values what happens with that is that where our values aren't being fulfilled, we kind of check that much of ourselves out. out. And so that's what we do when we measure values. We, we look at something called um, uh, um, uh, the word entropy. So how much energy is not going toward mission fulfillment? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're coming to work and you know that you're gonna be yelled at, disrespected there's going to be silo mentality going on there's a piece of you maybe and we can measure the percentage 30 40 50 percent of you you're going to check at the door or leave a bed before you get to stop into the office well that's 30 40 50 percent of personnel that's not present
1: mm-hmm. and so
3: that's very costly and we can measure that in real dollars we can make values of the translators between the intangible and the tangible And so that's why, you know, always come back to the values. And those are the places you can have conversations with people because when you step into the vernacular of values, it doesn't tend to be so, it tends to deepen the roots of the conversation and it doesn't tend to be so push-pull because even if your values aren't my values, and that's one of the biggest problems of values, people make a lot of assumptions and conjecture around we're all here around the same values. And even people who who self-select to be on a call like this our values are very different from one another and but there would be an assumption uh, among groups that that we have we share the same values we may or may not share a lot of comparable values but until mm-hmm. you measure them you really don't know that but but you know the, the, the uh, point of safety is bring it back to a values conversation
2: thank you so much Joni it's been wonderful to have you. It's just been excellent. I'm sure there's plenty of comments in the chat thanking you and saying, you know, mind expanding talk. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And so I'd like to just echo that on behalf of everybody and on behalf of World Goodwill. thank you so much for being here today. Hopefully we can have you back um, sometime in the future.
3: My pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me.
2: All right. Let's just end with a moment of silence. Um, and before that, though, I'd like to say just we'll see you This webinar does meet on the last Wednesday of every month. And so the next one will be um, the last Wednesday in February, which is um, actually Wednesday, the 22nd of February. So that'll be our
1: next meeting. And now we'll just close with a brief moment of silence. Thank you.